I say that is it basically 10x our revenue by appearing on the show. You basically get a free 15 minute commercial on primetime ABC television, which is worth $10 million. I got my focus on passion and empathy. Gaining perspectives, investing, I do believe. Money and grinding go hand in hand, you will see. I'm working smart, expanding my energy. Hope that you feeling me. I'm acting differently, you got a friend in me. I'm working hard to try and work smart. No time to complain, it's time to start. We gotta work. Future millionaires. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Future Millionaires. Today, we have on Sean Patel, the founder of Prep Experts, where they help students absolutely crush their SAT, or if you're like me, ACT scores. He actually went on Shark Tank and closed a deal with Mark Cuban, and he is also involved in Claire Hat Marketing, where they sell online courses for the most effective marketing tactics up to date. And on top of that, guys, he met a U.S. president. That's what's up. Sean, how you doing today? Hey, Gavin. Good. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, you bet. You're doing amazing. So can you give our listeners a 60-second snippet of where you're at right now and what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the kind introduction. Um, as you said, uh, you know, I am the founder of a couple of companies. One is called Prep Expert. We do SAT and ACT prep courses. The other is Clear Hat Digital Marketing, where we do digital marketing courses. On top of that, I am also a physician, um, not to add more to my plate. Uh, so I'm a physician where I uh, am a resident in dermatology at Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. That's where I'm based out of right now. And I, I think the accomplishment that's probably what I'm most known for, of course, is winning a deal with billionaire Mark Cuban on ABC's Shark Tank. And uh, my episode aired uh, about three years ago. So uh, hopefully that gives people uh, a good overview of the many different things I do. <laughs> of course. And we'll definitely dive, you know, more in depth on all those throughout the podcast. But can you just give our listeners, you know, kind of a, a little bit of info about your early upbringing and how you were raised and when entrepreneurship was introduced to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a pretty interesting upbringing. It wasn't sort of in the suburbs or a typical upbringing that most people have. I actually grew up in the city of Las Vegas. Hmm. And uh, when, when people hear that, they already think that's strange. Like I've never met someone from Vegas. Um, but it, I grew up even in a little bit stranger way in that I grew up in a motel. Uh, so what I mean by that is I grew up in... Uh, my parents owned a budget motel in Vegas, and that's where I was born and raised and grew up. And so in a way, entrepreneurship was actually introduced to me basically when I was born because, uh, you know, I grew up there from when I was very little all the way through high school. And, uh, you know, my parents would run this motel in a business. Um, and that was part of my day to day was helping customers rent motel rooms. And so that was a very early upbringing. What I realized growing up, and it was interesting about, you know, what you said about being interest, um, introduced to entrepreneurship is that I always had like side hustles. Um, you know, whether I was in elementary school, I was selling Pokemon cards in middle 
middle school, I was selling burned music CDs. In high school, I was doing making thousands of dollars doing these internet referral programs. Um, in college, I uh, sold used iPhones. And then finally in med school, my real business, Prep Expert, the SAT and ACT courses kind of took off. And so uh, I think I was always in entrepreneurship at heart, um, but I was also always in school. So I always had these sort of like side hustles going on. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. So can you tell the viewers, you know, in your own world um, explanation and kind of about the upbringing of, you know, your companies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the, my company Prep Expert really came out of rejection. And what I mean by that is, you know, I never actually wanted to uh, start an SAT or ACT prep course company. That was not the original goal. The original goal was, uh, you know, in high school, when I was in Vegas, I was able to raise my SAT score from average to perfect. And so, you know, that was huge. I, I raised my score 640 points. I was able to um, get a perfect score on the SAT, which was, you know, something really rare. Only 0.02% of all students achieve it. It opened up all kinds of opportunities and doors for me, uh, meaning I was able to get a quarter million dollars in college scholarships. I uh, got into these amazing universities. I even got to meet the president of the United States, who at the time was George Bush, like you mentioned. And, um, you know, in college, I was like, you know, all of these amazing opportunities opened up to me because of my test score. So I want to help other people change their score so they can change their lives the way that I did. And my original goal was just to write an SAT preparation book. I was like, I could write the first book by a perfect score student and people will love it because there hasn't been a perfect score student to write an SAT prep book. So I thought it would work well. Yeah. But when I pitched it to 100 literary agents and publishers, um, my book proposal, I got rejected over a hundred times. I mean, they said the SAT prep market is too competitive. They said that I didn't have a platform to write a book. And so, you know, I took all the material I was writing for the book and I was like, forget it. I'm going to turn it into a course yeah. and I'll have my own courses. And the courses really took off after my first one. I mean, the average score improvement in the first class I ever had was 376 points to student scores, which was incredible. I mean, unheard of in the industry, taking students from the 50th percentile to the 90th percentile. And that really had parents knocking down the door for more courses. And uh, that's kind of how that original um, company started to, to take off because I started hiring more instructors, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, my second company, Clear Hat, you know, the way that that was started was, you know, we started doing all kinds of great digital marketing at Prep Expert, whether it was through Facebook ads, ever, um, automated webinars, um, through PR and media, like getting on Shark Tank and, yeah. you know, just really 10xing the business through our digital marketing efforts. And, um, you know, I realized that working with all these different agencies that we had over the years never really got us a good return on investment. So I was like, you know, why don't me and my uh, director of digital marketing, we could put together courses to teach other entrepreneurs um, how to take digital marketing into their own hands to grow their businesses. Mm. Yeah, no, that is, that is huge right there. So mm -hmm. one thing that I definitely piqued my interest is when you said you had a hundred people reject you. Mm -hmm. so, so can you dive just a little bit into that? And especially at this point when you haven't really had 
any like monetary sales and you have a hundred people telling you that your idea isn't worth basically any of their money. How did, like, how did you persevere through that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, um, I will tell you that I was getting quite discouraged. Um, you know, I had this, all I had was an idea. All I had was a, you know, a 30 page book proposal. Mm -hmm. And I had all these people that were considered experts telling me, no, you know, all these like, um, people at big education publishers, whether it was Penguin, Random House, McGraw-Hill, um, you know, they all said the book wasn't going to work. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that made me persevere through that was just the sheer personal experience of having changed my life by changing my score. I knew that because it worked for me, I'm sure that it'll work for other students. And so I think that entrepreneurs that have had personal experiences and really know their products and services inside and out um, have a leg up. And, you know, what was interesting is that after that pilot course that I taught where the students improved their scores, 400 points, um, I had McGraw-Hill, the world's largest education publisher, come back to me, give me the book deal after they had rejected me a year earlier. And that book ended up selling tens of thousands of copies. It hit number one on Amazon for SAT prep. I mean, um, everything that every, all the experts, all the expert literary agents and publishers previously said uh, that the book wasn't going to work, they were wrong. And so, you know, I think the lesson in, in that for entrepreneurs out there is don't let other people tell you whether your idea is going to work or not. Um, you have to put in, you have to believe in it yourself because no one's going to believe in it more than you will. And the other thing is you have to put in your 10,000 hours or at least hundreds, if not a thousand plus hours working on your idea, working on your product, working on your service. Um, you know, and that's what I really did is just, I never worked so hard in my life compared to when I had to write my first SAT prep book. I mean, that took an incredible amount of effort, time and energy. And I think it created a great product and a great service that works. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think there's just no getting around putting in the hard work. Yeah. And for everyone listening to this too, like, a hundred failures is a good amount, you know, but the thing is there's so much, if you can just keep pushing back, once you get discouraged after 50, 60, 70, like guy who started Starbucks failed over 250 times from investors. Like look at him now, look at Sean now, you know what I mean? So you guys, if you have a vision that you know, you can get results with whatever it is that you're pitching and you really believe in it, you've got to go for it. There's no other option. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that at a lot of times I, during that period of my life where I just had the idea and I didn't actually have anything yet, I felt like I was the only person who believed in myself. But that's all that mattered because, um, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody is going to. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. That confidence is very easy to see through if it isn't a hundred percent sold on yourself and your product. So mm -hmm. I definitely like that, but you know, this is something I I really liked um, having you on here because most of the entrepreneurs I have on, they aren't anti-college, but they're just very much so um, oriented in the sense where like, Oh man, you, college is a complete waste. 
And to me, I have very mixed feelings on it, but I'd really like to hear from you, you know, yeah. what you think the value of college is for an entrepreneur in today's society. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that I'm very different than most entrepreneurs just for the reason that you just stated, which is um, most people, when you think of an entrepreneur, they, you think of people taking risks. Um, I'm very risk averse. So like I will always encourage people to go to college, not only because it's my business, but also for entrepreneurs because it helps take away some of that risk for you. Like, you know, um, dropping out of high school, dropping out of college, you hear about those entrepreneurs that do really well doing that. But what you don't hear about are the, the thousands, if not millions more that dropped out of high school and college that didn't make it. And um, so I don't want anyone who follows me or listens to me to be the people that risked it all for their business, ended up failing, and then they don't have a backup plan with at least a college degree, you know? So I think in a lot of ways, you can take away the risk of your business by making sure that you have a college education um, because the workforce is so, so competitive. Now, I do have um, some advice on that, which is try to make college as cheap as possible, you know, because I don't want people going into huge amounts of debt going to college. You know, for me, I could have gone to the Ivy League. I could have gone to some better schools, but I chose the University of Southern California because they gave me a full tuition scholarship. I didn't have to pay a dime for tuition, food, books, housing, um, went to college for completely free. Now, not everyone can have that option, but you can have the option to either go to a state school, community college, um, win some scholarships by prepping for these exams if you're in high school, um, you know, qualifying for financial aid, try to make it so that it's not something that you're paying off loans for, for the rest of your life. You know, I don't encourage you to go $200,000 in debt or anything like that. Um, you know, I used to think that doing well on the SAT and ACT, I used to be like, try to go to the best college you can. Now I'm like, try to go to the college that's the most affordable because at the end of the day, these educations are now becoming more and more similar. Um, a lot of times you, I mean, MIT, all of their classes are found online. So if you want, you can go and get their classes. Um, but it's important, I think, still to have a college degree. Uh, one, because it helps de-risk as an entrepreneur if you fail, which oftentimes entrepreneurs fail. You know, I've had failed ideas, failed businesses in the past. And um, I'm sure every entrepreneur that's ever been successful has as well. Um, and then the second part of that is education for me, at least, if you do any kind of business education. So I did my MBA as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's super helpful as an entrepreneur to be able to understand accounting, finance, mm -hmm. operations. The, the most important class I took during business school was the management of software development, which taught me about agile and lean project management. And I implemented that in my company. And that's probably generated over seven figures in revenue because I was able to implement that kind of management structure and productivity at the company. And so there's a lot of things you can learn through formal education if you have a business. Um, and you know, I thought it was really cool, actually. In business school, I was like the only student in my class who had a business, who like going and running. So I was yeah. able to implement a lot of what we were learning in the classroom directly into the business, whereas other people were just learning about it in theory. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily as relevant or applicable for them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, that is actually really helpful even for me because I'm a I'm an incoming freshman in college, and I know you know a lot of our listener base is younger, high school, college age people here who clearly are interested in business. So just to hear you know that there is value in that is definitely interesting because to me it's like you know that accounting like you said, and then the more so the different um things that you you can learn them off the streets, but you kind of have to bring in people. And it's a little harder, you know. So it definitely is interesting to hear that value. And that's something that, you know, I'll have to consider going on in my own journey. I'm sure many other people will as well. But I noticed that you um, mentioned that you had some businesses that didn't turn out too hot. So I know entrepreneurship, you know, there's lots of shiny lights, great stories, but can you get into a little bit about, you know, the dirt and those that you thought were going to do great and just ended up fizzling out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, one one was kind of a, a in retrospect, I think it's a, it was a silly idea, but I thought it would work. Um, I mean, it, it was an idea that um, me and actually my roommate at business school had come up with, which was kind of like a, a combination of Instagram and Venmo, which meant that like instead of liking a picture, you could go on. It was a social media platform, and we actually built it. We had a prototype that worked, um, but like you could post a picture and you could double t tap the picture and instead of giving it a like, it gives it like one cent. And so um, what the idea was, people that post really great content could earn more money, um, but it ended up fizzling out because the Venmo transactions um, you're not allowed to do it for businesses. And so we didn't have a good payment platform. And then it was hard to incentivize people to actually give money necessarily for, um, you know, for no reason kind of. And so we thought it would be like this constant flow of cash. Like you give some, you get some for your, um, pictures. And obviously the people that post better content would get more money, but it was interesting. I mean, it was sort of our, it was kind of like when social media platforms, everyone was trying to start one and make it really hot, et cetera. So, I mean, uh, I think I learned a lot from it and that was important. I learned a lot about developing an app. Uh, I learned a lot about software management, going through the process of app development, working with designers and developers and apps. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it, I, we didn't spend a lot of money on it. I think we probably sunk in a few thousand dollars. It wasn't anything huge. Um, and it didn't take up a whole lot of our time. So I think if you take little risks like that, it's fun, actually. You learn a lot. Um, and it's a good way to, to um, basically learn what you're – knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at is just as important. You know, uh, I, I'm not the best app developer, uh, you know, and I, I can admit that. Yeah, no, but that's completely fine, especially since you learned so much from it. A lot of people, they view like when they lose money in something like, oh man, I just wasted my money. But just like Sean said, it's like an investment in your education, just like colleges, you know? Mm -hmm. so exactly. That, mm -hmm. So that's definitely a very good point you made there. But now something you probably get asked a lot, but everyone wants to know shark tank okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so can you just tell us about that that experience and what it's actually like to you know first off apply for it and then once you actually get there you know how it is and how to compare to how it's shown on tv yeah absolutely so um you know appearing on shark tank was definitely the single greatest thing that ever happened to me or my business and uh, the reason i say that is it basically 10x our revenue by appearing on the show, you basically get a free 
15 minute commercial on primetime ABC television, which is worth $10 million. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, what was really cool about that applying, so applying to Shark Tank is pretty difficult. Um, just like I said, getting a perfect SAT score, the chance 0.02% or perfect ACT score 0.02%, the chance of getting on Shark Tank through an audition is 0.02%. I mean, 50,000 entrepreneurs apply every year, about 100-ish end up airing on television. Uh, you know, I stood in line with 500 other entrepreneurs in New York City for nine hours uh, waiting to give a one minute pitch to a casting call producer. It was insane. Yeah. So I was able to make it through multiple rounds of auditions. That was the first one. I did a video audition, a phone audition. And then within a few months, I was flying out to L.A. at Sony Studios to pitch the Sharks it was incredible. I mean, it's pretty real. You know, I would say yeah. they never like, I was in the tank for an hour and 20 minutes and they didn't ever yet once yell cut or redo that or mm -hmm. say this or say that the sharks had no idea who I was. I just went in there cold and we had a very real business conversation and uh, they cut, a cut out a lot of the more technical um, questions and business side of questions for television because it is an entertainment show. Yeah. So they sort of cut together the 15 minutes that are most dramatic and that work best for television. But, um, you know, it was an amazing experience. Uh, you know, I think that if any entrepreneur has the chance to go on Shark Tank, I think it can uh, totally transform their business as it did for mine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know what? I just had a quick idea when you were talking there. I think, you know, they might be leaving some money out on the table if they had a multi subscription online to see the whole full like episodes full length, because I, I feel like a lot of actual entrepreneurs would want to, you know, study the, the pitches, everything and see all those nitty gritty that, you know, were kind of cut out. So that's a good question. Yeah. You know, I would love to actually see my full hour and 20. I've never seen it. Uh, <laughs> that would be, you know, I have, cause you, when I was in there, I was just like, so in the zone oh, yeah. and everything was like a, a cut out that like, I almost like blacked out a lot of like what was yeah. said and what wasn't said because I was just so in the moment um, that I would love to rewatch that and relive it. Yeah. I, I wonder if we could get cuts of that. Yeah, I'm not sure who to reach out to for that. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. you, could, you could tell Mark. But... Yeah, yeah, I could ask Mark or ask one of the Shark Tank producers, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So still on that subject, you had one minute to make your pitch. Now, you can't – that is insane that they only give you that much to wait nine hours in line. So how did you stand out? How did you convince them within one minute that you were deserving of standing in front of those sharks? Yeah, you know what? I had an interesting pitch. Like I practiced that one minute pitch for like 10 hours. I mean, it was like line by line. I had 10 lines, I think it was. Um, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but back then, I mean, I, I could say it at, like at a whim. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember I put stuff in there about all the media I had gotten. Like I had written an article in the New York Times. I'd been in Business Insider. I talked about how we had done a million dollars in sales. Um, I talked about all these like big, amazing things about the business. But what was really interesting is that the casting call producer, his face was totally stone cold during my pitch. I mean, he was not impressed at all. 
And then at the end of my pitch, I pull out my book from behind me that I'd written, my SAT prep yeah. book, and his eyes totally light up. Like he's so impressed that I'm a published author, that my face is on the cover of this book. Um, and then he starts asking me all these questions. He's like, oh, I have a nephew. Can I have this book? And I give him the book. And like, he's like totally um, starstruck, uh, not starstruck, but like, he's like really impressed that I'm an, a published author from McGraw-Hill. And so what's really, really funny to me is that the original thing that I wanted, which was publishing a book, ended up basically getting me on Shark Tank. Um, I think if I didn't have that book at that time, I probably would not have been on Shark Tank. That is crazy. Yeah, right? So, so I mean, uh, the lesson for entrepreneurs out there is writing a book in your industry, whether it makes you a lot of royalties or not, it gives you a lot of credibility. Um, and so, you know, it's something that every entrepreneur should consider for their particular industry because um, it just adds an incredible amount of authority and respect in your industry. Yeah. And I even think the same thing applies today when you're talking about personal branding and whatever mm -hmm. it is that you are, you know, the more you grow that just kind of like you grow a book, it adds credibility, especially, you know, it, like Instagram today is basically kind of like a business card in a sense, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Checking that out, you know, in the next 24 hours. So just to, you know, make that look credible, like, of course, don't lie, be yourself, be you, but you know, show what you have to offer your, your benefits, you know, and a lot of times authenticity comes through. So you talk about your failures, whatever it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the reasons when I saw that you had reached out for the podcast that I found that you had credibility is like, I saw, um, you know, you had 10,000 plus followers that you're constantly posting great content. And I was like, okay, this, this seems like legit because you had built this platform and this personal brand. And it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, that's how, um, or that's what made me go ahead and do the podcast. And I'm sure that's what a lot of you get even bigger guests after me, but uh, you know, that's, that's really cool. Oh, thank you. And trust me, I, it's so cool just to, you know, chat it up with somebody who's had all this success and experience. So I'm so grateful for it all. It's all such an amazing experience and everyone out there who's just like, man, I want to do something like, but, Oh, I could get rejected or I don't know if like Sean would let like speak on my podcast or whatever it is, guys. Guys, Sean could say no and life goes on. That's like the hundred people, right? Like mm -hmm. he says, yes, it just makes your life that much better. You get to chat up, ask as many questions as you want, provide mm -hmm. value to different audiences. It makes the world go around. So just not being afraid guys. Like I know it's a lot easier said than done, but I mean, Sean knows it. It's, it's so powerful. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you're not going to make any shots if you don't take any. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's as simple as it can be. And that's completely correct. So mm -hmm. working with Mark Cuban, just, you know what to do. Just go into that. What's it like? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, when I was going into shark, the shark tank, I mean, that was the, the shark that I wanted. Um, he's obviously got the, the deepest pockets and, and I think he's got the most experience um, it's the best. So, I mean, working with Mark Cuban is really cool because one, you get direct access to Mark Cuban. So I could email him or message him at any time. Um, and he, I get a response usually within five to 10 minutes. I mean, he's constantly replying to emails. 
Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, obviously, I don't abuse that privilege, but um, it's, it's cool that you get direct access to Mark Cuban. Um, on top of the access to Mark Cuban, you get uh, access to the Mark Cuban company's uh, team. So I've worked with everyone at the Mark Cuban companies, whether it's his uh, marketing team, his business development team, his website team, his lawyers, his accounting. I mean, they've all been free resources for us and set up great partnerships as well. Uh, working with Mark is awesome because he's a great business advisor. He's a great marketer. I, I mean, he's got 8 million followers on Twitter and he'll tweet, um, you know, something we're trying to promote out to, to do that. Um, you know, he's a great negotiator. He doubled our negotiation or he doubled our licensing fee, um, you know, on one of our courses that we licensed out to a third party vendor. And, you know, that generated six figures in revenue just off that. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then he's just a great person. I mean, he, uh, co we, me and Mark, he, we co-authored a book together on kids entrepreneurship. Uh, that was a really cool opportunity. Uh, you know, we just, uh, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, no, about a month and a half ago, we were um, in Vegas in my hometown filming a um, update for Shark Tank. So he'll come out and do events with us and uh, just just the best person you could possibly partner with both as a business advisor and a mentor. No, yeah, that is so amazing that you're able to lock <laughs> it in with them. So yeah. So what, what do you think um, sold him when you were in the tank? Like, you know, was there like one thing where you thought he was like, man, the scalability of this is amazing or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting is when I walked in the tank and I was um, giving my pitch and sort of telling uh, the first five minutes of, you know, sort of going into my business is Mark actually I didn't think he liked me or my business at all. He rolled his eyes and kind of was like, come on, man, like, what is this? Like, he didn't think I was the real deal. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, like I said, I was in the, the tank for hour 20, hour and a half. So I think as I told more about my background, my family's background, my work ethic, he eventually, I think, was won over because uh, it was, I remember this moment when every shark was out. And uh, they had all said, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, mm -hmm. except for Mark Cuban. And then he, he turns to the other sharks and he's like, is everybody out? And they all say yes. And then he's like, perfect. And at that moment, I kind of knew he had me in a corner too with the negotiation because yeah. I'm like, okay, he was <laughs> waiting for everyone to go out so that now he can just negotiate up the equity. And, uh, you know, I was ended up, I ended up being okay with it because um, for those that don't know, I went into the tank asking for a quarter million dollars in exchange for 10% equity. I ended up negotiating up to, uh, or Mark ended up negotiating me up to 20% for a quarter million um, but that was totally fine because that was actually my strategy, which was I was going to go in asking for 10 and I would be okay giving up to 20, but I wasn't going to give up more than that. And he negotiated me literally to my max. And I don't know how he knew that was my max, but uh, he did. Yeah. No, that, that is amazing. And definitely that worked out very well for both of you guys. Mm -hmm. So that's clearly an amazing connection. What other type of networking are you doing in your life and, you know, building other relationships as well? Yeah. To be honest, Gavin, um, one of the biggest things that I do now is podcasts. Um, I get to meet really cool entrepreneurs and influencers and people that have amazing platforms. Uh, 
through podcasts. And, and yeah. what I love about podcasts is, um, you know, a, I'm able to reach audiences that I probably never would have before. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone listening to future millionaires, um, 90, Five percent have never heard of me before, so it's really cool that I get to speak to your audience and share some of my wisdom. Um, but I get to meet really cool um, influencers like yourself. You know, for example, I did a podcast uh, last month with David Meltzer of. Um, he has a podcast for entrepreneur, like entrepreneur magazine. I mean, that gets millions and millions of followers and I got to do that in person in New York city. Um, so, you know, he's just one of the greatest entrepreneurs, um, uh, that I've ever, he, he basically does sports marketing, sports agent branding. Um, and so I'm meeting all these cool people through podcasting and I, and I like it because you're able to do it remotely. Um, and with my busy schedule, it's hard for me to travel between residency and the business, et cetera. A podcast, I can hop on um, a Skype or a Zoom call very easily from anywhere in the world and be able to network with people like yourself who are in Wisconsin or David who's in New York or um, some people in my hometown in Vegas. And so I, I love it because it's a great media platform. And uh, so that's why I'm kind of doing my podcast circuit of rounds now. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it definitely is a very powerful tool to share messages, convey that and for knowledge too. And it's so convenient too. Like mm -hmm. you can listen to it when you work out, when you run, like when you're driving your commute, like so much stuff. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now can you dive just a little bit into, you know, you don't have to go into all of them, but some of your best habits that you've really found a lot of success with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, one of the things that I do, uh, is have a morning power hour. So what I mean mm -hmm. by that is I think I definitely, and most people are probably most effective and productive in the morning. And, so what I try to do is I try to do the hardest tasks that I have to do in the first hour of the day. So what I mean by that is there's probably some task on your list of to-dos that you just really don't want to do or that takes a lot of work, time, effort, energy, thinking power. For me, for example, it would be like writing SAT prep book material. Like that's really difficult, you know, staring at a blank page and writing that. But if I spend my first hour of every day doing that, I can create great content and it's just amazing. Um, so what I encourage people to do is do their toughest tasks in the first hour of the day. And what that does is not only is your mind clearest and you're able to get a lot done, but on top of that, you feel very productive for the rest of the day because you already finished your first big task that like, even if you do a few little tasks throughout the rest of the day, like you feel productive and you just want to be more and more productive that way. Um, one of the other things I do is, um, I try to, uh, uh, unplug if I can. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, our phones are so distracting to us. The internet is so distracting to us, whether it's email, Netflix, social media, Facebook, Instagram. So if there's work that I can do that doesn't require the internet, like writing content, for example, I will try to turn my internet off, write as much as I can. Um, now I know a lot of entrepreneurs are businesses are online. It's not always easy to unplug, but like, don't have your email open in the background. Don't have your Instagram open unless you're actually using it for business. Um, like it's so easy to get distracted. Um, you know, what I say is just, uh, turn the tech off if you can, uh, and really unplug. 
I actually physically separate myself from my phone. So like right now my phone is in a different room, you know, because like I know that if that phone's around, like I'm just going to be checking it for notifications and then, you know, swiping and doing all this stuff. So like um, those, like, I think those are huge, huge uh, things. And then, um, you know, one really uh, big thing that I want to share with people is to um, never trade time for money. So, what I mean by that is try to make money in your sleep if you can. Figure out ways for passive income, whether it's through royalties, investments, businesses, etc. Try to figure out ways to monetize and create money so that you don't have to work uh, a normal, uh, like like a normal person would for a salary, etc. Like eventually, you try to create enough income through side hustles, businesses, royalties. Um, do whatever you can on Instagram, YouTube to generate that income uh, so that you never trade time for money. No, that is so huge. And there are so many things in there too that I implemented to my schedule that I just know are so effective. Like literally such a simple thing as removing your phone. I put mine in a drawer where I physically have to open it to get out. So I'm like, uh-uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that literally makes me so much more productive. So mm-hmm. I love that you shared that because a lot of people, if they implement that, they're definitely going to see those results right there. It's crazy. You don't think you're that distracted by your phone, but it, man, we are, we are totally like the, the generation that's addicted to it. And like physical separation, I think is the key for now until someone develops apps that just like get us to stop being so addicted. I'm sure that's a big business and opportunity out there, but yeah. um, you know, for now, I think just try to stay away from your phone unless obviously you need it for business, but um, try to get the work done that you can without your phone. Yeah, completely. So we're getting towards the end of the show here. And I just got a question I like to ask all my guests. So I've got two of them here. So the first one is what is some advice that you hear often, but you personally think is not good advice? Oh, yeah. Uh, that one's easy. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, never. Uh, so a lot of advice that I hear is um, follow your passion. I think that's bad advice and people kind of argue with me, but I say follow your effort. What I mean by that is follow what you're good at. You know, I'm passionate about basketball. That doesn't mean I'm going to go out and be an NBA player. You know, like I am going to follow what I'm good at. I'm good at SAT. I'm good at uh, medicine. Those are the things I'm following. Um, And so follow your effort, follow what you're good at, put in those thousands of hours to do that. Um, You can be passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about um, basketball, I'm passionate about restaurants, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be a chef, you know, or I'm going to own a restaurant. Like, follow what you're good at instead of following your passions. Yeah, and a lot of times too, when you follow what you're good at, it's going to open up those doors for you to pursue your passion more than if you were to just follow your passion. So you you have to almost do it in like a strategic way, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. if I can make this passive income, then I can play a lot more basketball than than if I have to work a nine to five, all depending on how you structure it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now our last question here. So even with everything you've accomplished, there are always things, you know, that you can improve on as an entrepreneur and a person. So what is the biggest change that you are looking to make in your life today, either in your business or just in your personal life? Ooh, that's a good question. What's the biggest change that I'm looking to make? I think one of the biggest changes I'm looking to make is, uh, you know, very soon I hope to be working less. I think for a lot of my life I've been working 
60, 70, 80 hour weeks. And eventually now I've put in all that work and time that it's paid off that I want to start working 20, 30, 40 hour weeks um, so that I can enjoy that all that hard work that I've put in over the years. And uh, like you said, then I can enjoy my passions and, and go to those um, courtside Sixers games, et cetera, you know? And so uh, working less, I think, because uh, I think entrepreneurs, we're so wired to work all the time. And uh, so it's actually uh, quite tough for us to work less. And that's what I need to work on. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like structure, like you just said, structure how you want it. And you've definitely put in the work, Sean. So <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are super grateful for all the information that you've been dropping on them today, especially the actionable information, especially. So where can they follow up with you at? Where's the best place? Absolutely. So there's a few places. So uh, for the high school students looking to prep for their SAT and ACT, check out prepexpert.com. For the entrepreneurs looking to grow their businesses through digital marketing, look up clearhatmarketing.com. And finally, for anyone just looking to improve their life, uh, check out my book. It's called Self-Made Success, 48 Secret Strategies to Live Happier, Healthier, and Wealthier. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It was great having you on. Yeah, thanks, Gavin. Appreciate it. And that is a wrap. Thank you so, so much for tuning into today's show and taking one step closer to becoming that future millionaire. All I'm asking from you guys is that you please take the short amount of time to review this episode. And once you do that, take a screenshot, send it to me on my Instagram, which is Gavin Lero with a period in the middle. And I will be sure to repost that in my Instagram story, give you guys a shout out. Or if you post something about the podcast, in your Instagram story. I will be sure to repost that. And there's a little something extra to that. I think you guys will like that will be attached to um, my response to you in the DMs. So look forward to that. All you have to do if you're on iTunes podcast app is you just have to pull up the current episode you're listening to. You hit the purple future millionaires underneath the title of that episode. You scroll all the way down to the bottom past all the other episodes. Then you hit write a review, which is underneath, you know, the five stars, the visual five stars, and you give it a title, a quick description, however amount of stars you think it's worth. Of course, I preferably would love five. (laughs) And then you hit send. And all you have to do after that is just know that I am very thankful, guys. I really, really believe that this is a very powerful education tool for your growth, and I want you to succeed. So please also reach out to me on Instagram, which is Gavin period Lara. And I will be sure to answer any questions that you may have or, you know, any ideas you want to bounce off me. I love to hear them. I love entrepreneurship, helping other people. So let's all succeed together and you have an amazing day.